All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of the Para Podcast. This week, I'm joined by 4020. Hey, boys. Uh, I've got Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Hamish. Yep. And also myself, Hamish, as host. Now, we've got a huge podcast coming this week, uh, capped off with the first team lists of the year for the first grade squad. Um, so let's dig straight in. We're going to get first up to the um, review of the Harold Matson SG ball. Um, we had a double against Manly on the weekend, which we previewed last week, and came away winners in both of those matches. Um, all right, boys, I'll dive into you guys. Um, if you want to go into the Harold Mats, we won at 14-10. Uh, Manly scored right on the death, but were denied by a forward pass. Um, so, Forty and Hamish, do you want to jump straight in? This this week's all on hand because I was stuck at work, unfortunately. Yeah, so um, our attack was very disjointed. I thought... Um, you know, our halves weren't sort of working together as they usually do and all that sort of stuff. Our forwards were pretty good, um, especially Trey Mooney uh, prop played the full 60 minutes. So that's very good of him. And, he, you know, there was a few penalties there from him from not playing the ball properly, but we won't go into that for the moment. Well, that, that's going to be a storyline for every grade in yeah. the next couple of weeks. And... Um, Broken by the uh, the Cumberland throw about three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, 60s of the big the big On the scoop, scoop the scoop. Um, so yeah, our forwards went forward, but I think our, our halves and our backs, for the most part, um, there was in the second half particularly that we had uh, about three or four sets on their line and, and absolutely nothing come of it. So, you know, it's only the, their first game, second round, they had a buyer the first week, so there'll still be time to work on it, but... Um, my man of the match for our boys was our <laughs> left centre, uh, William Penasini. I think that's Birdie's favourite name <laughs> in rugby league. Giuliani uh, Penasini. <laughs> Pe- uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Um, he, he was, he was a, one of the... Is he the only returning member from last year, Hamish? No, there's also... Oh, no, Trey Mooney, Trey Mooney played last year. Trey so Mooney and Caleb Tohey. And Caleb Tohey, but he was one of the senior returning members because he was actually a... One of the starting backline players from last year. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, he didn't touch the ball much, but when he touched the ball, something was going to happen. He had a, He's a big boy for a centre, but um, he's quick. He put on... He read the... Uh, when he was in defence, he read well. Um, he tackled well. I, I, I'm excited to see him play. And... Yeah, that's, that's pretty... Oh, I'm got to give a sh- big rap to Manly. They're a Big team this year, especially in the Harold Mats. Like, their Harold Matthews boys were the size of their SG Ball boys, some of them, and they're absolutely huge. And um, I actually thought the game should have ended up a draw. That would have been a much fairer result for both teams, but. Yeah, but, l- but stuff manly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stuff <laughs> manly. So, um, luckily. For Can I just say, weeks, um, the. the uh He's uh, a the number seven for Manly, yeah, he's got huge wraps on yeah, him. Yeah, he was. And he scored a double. He was um, every time he touched the like he was the one they went to for fifth tackle, fourth tackle in the um, in the dying seconds. Where I'm pretty sure he was the one that threw the forward pass. Or no, he was in the middle of because it, it was a sort of an all or nothing play. He was in the middle of the field and he threw this cutout ball out to the centre, and it was he's a fantastic player. So given given how dynamic manly are and they're going to be one of the front runners in this competition like us uh do you think it's fair to say that given how disjointed we were uh in regards to our own sort of you know possession and red zone conversion that 
we can take them even as, as good as they are out wide up in the middle and with their half uh, later in the business end of the season if we can sort of sort out our own backyard? Um, yeah, yeah. if we get that gelling in between the halves, if they sort of start playing a bit better, uh, don't get me wrong, uh, Arthur's kicking game, he put in some nice kicks in down in the 10-metre line and all that sort of stuff. Louise, who's more of a running player, I thought there was a couple of times where we were, we were on their line and um, he might have taken the wrong option. He, t- he decided to take the ball to the line, take on the line rather than just the pass out the back. But again, I'm not a half. I'm not a 16 or a half. I'm not going to put that pressure on the kid because he can That's do what he wants. He would do. He can do what he wants, and he's been picked. So congratulations <laughs> to him. But there was yeah, there was just a couple of times where you know I, I think that you could tell that Manly had an extra week because when they had the ball, they were sort of make. Yeah, that was sort of true. more it's together. It's easy to forget that we had the bye. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, the strength of our team lies in its sort of dynamic and athletic forward pack and, you know, sort of getting those early shifts out wide when the opportunities present themselves. So letting the spine gel and, you know, sort of find their own pace or their own groove within that, you know, wider dynamic will probably take a little bit of time. All right. Well, Forty and Hamish, you could talk for hours <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. about the, the Harold Matts team, but that was their first game of the year, so... Coming away with the uh, the two points is always good. So just to recap, a try to Penasini and then a double to Corona Bully. Is that how's that Hamish? That's how the announcer pronounced it. So <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, I'll take that as a, a win for tonight. All right. So fourteen uh, ten in that one. They've got two points on them in the buy in the first week. Um, onto the SG ball, uh, we strode out seven tries to one uh, winners. Uh, in that match, we had try, We had a lot of try scorers actually. Um, Tavaga, Udi Kamanu, uh, Duri got a double. Tuamala got one. Tasapale got one, and Nora got one as well. Um, so the the final score in that match was thirty six to six. Um, simply outclassed Manly. Yep, absolutely. It was a it was a very fiery game from about the third try. We actually had um, there was three sin bins. Throughout the game, um, we had a we had Kyle Schneider. Manly had uh, Schuster, was it? No, he no. he was the one he that started he started. He instigated it, it but didn't get binned. Um, I believe it was their number five, Keegan Turner, and their number eleven, Sean Vivellata, who was sin binned for a very silly punch. He shouldn't have thrown it, but again, he's a he's a player. He's a footy player. I'm not the footy player. I was on the field. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, our defence was just unreal. Just to for the amount of ball that Manly had, especially in that first half for them, and their only try come from um, we were attacking down the, our right hand side, and we dropped the ball, didn't go back to pick it up, and Schuster, Parramatta Junior, just quietly um, picked up the ball and raced away 70 metres to score under the post. So that was the only way they could score. And I was very impressed with the SG Ball team, especially coming off an easier win against the West Coast Pirates. They still didn't hit their straps either, did they? Like, that's a 30-point victory with plenty of room for improvement as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think if um, Schneider wasn't sin-bin for that 10 minutes, it could have been 40-50. Yeah, and Schneider, again, with the boot, wasn't... um as good as he would have hoped, um, although he did kick four from yeah, seven. Yeah, he'd be pretty pretty dirty on himself for that. Yeah, but uh, and you got to bear in mind here, this is a team that isn't 
working with Dylan Brown, who was eligible for the SG ball. He's, you know, playing Jersey Flake as a 17-year-old. So That's you know, all right. We'll, we'll get on to that 40. Calm down, oh, calm no, down. No, I'm, I'm just, Big I'm show, just lots saying, to get to. I'm just saying we're giving the rest of the competition a handicap here. All right, well, we'll um, get on to the SG ball and Harold Matt's previews, but first we'll get into some Eels news. So the first thing on the agenda is Scott and T- uh, both Scott and Tim Manor will be named co-captains uh, this year, uh, same as last year. Um, your takes? I mean, it's pretty much what we you know sort of expected. I thought there might have been an opportunity to begin a transitional sort of co-captaincy. You could have looked to bring maybe Nathan Brown or Quentin Gufferson in as a co-captain. I mean, I don't know, maybe at the expense of Bo, but you know, it's kind of hard to go past Manor and Bo, given that they helped steer this team to the semi-finals. You know, for the first time in God, what was it eight years, nine years? Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not complaining either. Well, Bo Scott, when he comes on, of course he's that enforcer in the middle of the field. Now that he's sort of switched to that bench role, um, so I guess when Timmy comes off, uh, Scott uh, jumps in. Unfortunately, we didn't name a team of five captains, so uh, any player could run out of the line and um, have a winch to the ref and not be told to go away. Um, but I guess it is what it is. <laughs> um, all right. Um, did you have anything, Hamish or, or Birdie? No, nah, just yeah, just solid decisions. I, I wasn't really expecting anyone else to be named. Um, maybe there could have been someone else, but they'll be part of the leadership group. So yeah, that that that's the big yeah. thing is that you know if you need to bring them in as a leader down the path, they've been part of the group, and you know assuming the mantle or co-mantle of the C isn't a big issue. Yeah, no. If it wasn't Scott or Tim, like who else? You know, can you see as captain of the club? Brown or Guffo, maybe, or you know, if you think you wouldn't those, want Hayne back in that role. No, absolutely no, not. No. The refs, the refs just can't deal. With, <laughs> he can't deal with the refs. The refs can't deal with him. It's you know, <laughs> his heart and his sleeve when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yeah, all, all right. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. No, I was say, all sorry, go, have, buddy. You know, mind and mouth, you know. Then we can win some penalty counts. <laughs> that's that's actually a solid. <laughs> You're really going to blow a penalty against him? I wouldn't. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Well, I guess the the West Tigers named uh, a certain ex-con as uh, one of their five captains, so see how that turns out. Um, all right, on to the big rumour that was spread today. Um, Brent Reid apparently reporting that Josh Mansour um, may be a potential recruit to the Eels in the 2019 season, um, following on from a lot of unrest at Penrith. It seems like all the players want out, considering uh, Griffin as their coach. Um What's your take, boys? Uh, Forty, you were saying that that was sort of uh, there was a bit of a caveat on that later in the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain it was Josh Masood who tweeted that there was a lot of activity in December regarding that sort of player transfer, but it quietened down. But he then went on to say that he thinks that Michael Jennings would play a huge. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, talks are planned. Uh, uh, coming weeks um, he thinks that Michael Jennings will be very handy for it because him and Mansell are very close mates so obviously he'll be able to get in his ear and sort of tell him how sweet things are over at Paramount. So if he is to come over uh, Tim Manor and um, of course Mitch Moses will have to sit him down and give him a bit of a talk about Lebanon Pride. <laughs> yeah very very stern talking to very stern talking to. 
I think even Guffer will get in his ears because he was sporting the Lebanon <laughs> kit. Kaiser um, too. <laughs> yeah, Kaiser too. So got got a lot of transplants here for the um the Cedars. Up the Cedars. Uh, so obviously at the back end of that, that would be a semi Radradra replacement given um semi signed uh, for more time on in French rugby. Even though you know you can't replace a semi Radradra. Of course, uh, Mansour prior to his ACL injury was one of the most dynamic and um. Hard-hitting wingers, great finisher, and great doing the uh, the ruck work coming out of their own end. Uh, you know, I was telling our ham about, like, you know, he's not going to do what Semi did, like, you know, make those 80, 90-metre uh, runs that score tries. Like, you know, I can't remember the last time, you know, he ran No wing, No winger did that except Semi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, he's going to help start our set-off and... That's that's really good because um, with Semi gone and Taka moving uh, from the centres, our backline looks a bit smaller now. So um, he's going to help Matt uh, yeah. Evan and yeah. So I, I reckon it'll be good, but as long as he's you know cheap, nothing nothing ridiculous, you know, for a winger after all. You know. We're in a situation where we can sort of afford a, a little bit of a luxury purchase on the wing because we had that money set aside for Semi and diligent cap management sort of says that you don't overspend on wingers but i think you have to look at it as exception based theory where you have a certain threshold that you're going to spend for a winger but if there's someone there that is good enough that is a big enough difference maker you sort of make an allowance to you know splurge a little bit um i think mansour is in that category as far as a, a ball runner goes he has his you know issues as an you know under the high ball perhaps defensively you could probably criticize him but that could same could be said for semi um, if you told me to pick any player in the NRL to replace Semi on the wing, I'd go Nick Kotrick first, but I think Josh Mansell would be right up there too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Birdie was saying it's starting our sets off. Um, even though we have Alvara in the team, I'm still worried about who's going to take that um, hit up every set, every kick yeah. return. So if if we do happen to get Mansour, whether it's for this year, where the circumstances change, if it's for this year or whether it's for next year, I think it's actually a very good signing for the club, especially in that role that we, we we need. And, I mean, it was clear from day dot that we wanted a big explosive prop as that sort of guy, if we couldn't get semi, that's what we wanted as the alternative. But, you know, in a market that didn't quite have that, you know, uh, opening for us, the next best thing is a big, powerful winger that can, as Birdie and as Ham, um, Ham said, get your sets off, you know, in a strong fashion and get you on the front foot with a roll Yeah, I guess the only other player that sort of is in that mould would be uh, Avunavalu from Melbourne, but he's, of course, wrapped up down there and, um, you know, we don't want Storm scum at our club. Yeah, and the other one, like I said before, Nick Kotrick from Canberra, but they're going to sign him up long-term for very good dollars. I he think. played a lot of his juniors in fullback, didn't he, though? Yes, fullback and centres and rep teams, when he was playing up in the age group, he'd you know he'd be like a 17-year-old playing in the under-18s New South Wales team as a centre. Um, but I, I, it's hard to say how he would go as a fullback for Canberra because I'm not sure of his ball skills, but as a physical specimen, he's a freak. Yeah, and plus, he's in the Canberra podcast, so we don't have to worry about that. So <laughs> we're all good. Sorry, Bertie, you were about to say something. But I'd be very happy if Mansell, very happy. Bertie? And I was just going to say, I thought he was a center, like uh, touted to be a center, Kotrick. That's what I was going to say. You know, he's a he's a center playing in the wing, so that's probably why he's a bit freakish on the wing. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of those guys you could probably slide him in anywhere into the back line, give him a little bit of time to get under his belt. Uh, but yeah, Canberra's Canberra's got a good one in their hands there. I, I really like Kotrick, and 
I'd be very happy to have him at para. That's, that's, yeah. But it's one of those ones where you could pick any gun junior out of any team and say, yeah, he'd be great in blue and gold. But see, Gufferson is similar to that anyway. You know, you can put in one, two, you know, in the centres so that, like, yeah, like, it, it, you could argue that that's a recruitment profile that Brad Arthur's had, isn't it? Is that guys that are, and he uses the term a lot, and it's a little bit cheesy and cliche, but I, I find myself using it too. It's these blokes are footballers, right? You know, look at Nathan Brown. He's not a prototypical build for a, you know, a sort of dominant forward. He's, you know, mid 180s, you know, not particularly heavy, but he's got that nice footwork, the ball skills, you know, sort of he makes a difference in a lot of minor facets across his game that lets him excel as a whole. And, you know, Gufferson's very similar. And, you know, there's guys like that splattered across the league that, you know, you look at them and you think, yeah, they're just damn good footballers. All right. And the last bit of news, which isn't specifically Eels, um, but it is uh, about the rule changes for the 2018 NRL season. Now, there's four big ones. So I'll go through them one by one and then we can just touch on each of them in turn. Uh, The first one being, uh, as broken by the Cumberland throw, players must make a genuine attempt to touch the ball with their foot when playing the ball. It, it's going to be brutal, this one. Um, I was reading in one of the trials that happened on the weekend, the players were saying that, that it was policed even heavier in the game than it was in the actual uh, properly officiated training sessions they ran with the NRL officials coming in and running their sessions. So I think they blew like four or five penalties on one team, and it's going to get ugly for the first few rounds. So it it is what it is. I know. So Andrew Fafita's out of a job now. Well, can they consistently police it is the question. I mean, they, they've let a lot of stuff fly for a long time. And once the um, the whistle fatigue sets in, this is how some teams have operated, right? You know, how the roosters, the storm, all the good teams defend on their red zone is you operate on the principle of whistle fatigue where you give away enough penalties, the ref will stop blowing penalties at some point. So that sort of plays tangentially into what I'm saying here is that can the refs, will the West blow 14 penalties a game for the ruck? Will they blow 20? At what point are they going to say, well, shit, you know, the game just needs to be played. So, I, it, I don't know. I'm, I don't like over-officiated stuff like that. See, I, I wasn't for the rule at the start because I was thinking, you know, there's no contest in the play the ball anymore, so what's the point of playing with the foot? But after the after I've, I've seen it now in a game, in admittedly only in the juniors, but after seeing it, after thinking about it and being frust- very frustrated with it, the players have to stop being lazy too. If that's the rule, then that's the rule. They have to abide by it. They well, can't. My... My issue was is that it was always an attempt. You know, if you actually made an attempt to strike the ball, and like we're talking a serious attempt, not a for feet to step over, and they sort of rewritten the rules here to have to actually physically play it with your foot, which you know it it's almost union esque, which is something I hate when it's overly technical like that. Yep, and uh, it it'll be it'll be a, a thing every week, and even in the games, it's it has to be. If I've got no problems with the rule, because I think. They're trying to say the players have to stop being lazy, and I think there's one another rule change, but that'll be touched on later on. We're being lazy with ball handling, but if they they've been told can't be lazy anymore with the play of the ball. But in saying that, also the refs can't be lazy, and they can't pick and choose which team they yeah. penalise for it, and they can't pick and choose which time they penalise for it. They have to do it every single time. That is the crux of my stance against this whole thing: is that I believe there won't be consistency. As the game, as the rounds start to wear on, and if that if that's how it plays out, I'll be extremely frustrated. That that's probably how I should have phrased it better. All right. Well, on to the one that uh, Ham was just touching on. Uh, players will be allowed to strip the ball in a one-on-one situation as long as there is only one player in the tackle at the point of the ball being stolen. So that's overturned the old rule where 
if the player was touched by another, uh, so there was one in the tackle, but if another tackler also got in the tackle but then fell off, the first tackler couldn't strip the ball if the other um, there had been two in the tackle. So yeah. um, that's changed to now. If it's just one on one, even if a second one comes in and then falls as long off, as they fall you can off, strip. you can make it play the ball. It, it introduces. I know I was I was reading discussion. You know, it got pretty heated online. Sorry, um, it introduces a grey area into the game. That's the biggest complaint: is that once you allow this to happen, teams can strategically go for stripping the ball which I don't really see an issue with, because if you're carrying the ball loose enough for a strategic strip to occur, that's on you. Um, the only problem I can see is that you're asking the refs to deploy common sense. And can you trust them? Once again, this isn't a shot at the refs. It's when you're moving that fast, under that much fatigue, trying to you know police offside, police you know any potential offloads for knock-ons and whatnot. It sort of it adds another layer of responsibility to them. But I think... On a fundamental level, I like the rule. I want to see how it plays out. You know, this this is a rule like I've hated the old rule because you know when I was playing footy, um, you know I was I was penalised a couple of times for doing this. You know, like yeah, uh, a loose a loose carry where you you got your hands on the ball trying to you know stop the offload or something, and yeah, he's well, trying to yeah. yeah. Well, one incident like uh, I was the opposition prop. He ran over my uh, my dummy half. So as my dummy half was on the ground, I just. And he had the loose carry, so I raked the ball off, got penalised, and then I was back chatting to the referee, got penalised again. So like, <laughs> this is the type like it's common sense. It's one on one. Like what? Yeah. So like, what if a guy makes a break, runs ninety meters? Like, can he rake the ball that 20, 30 meters down? Like, you understand? Like, it's it's common sense, you know. And I'm surprised this that, wasn't done. You know, that that is the down. greatest, the greatest and most scary thing about it is that it's common sense. And I don't know. I can, can we have common sense in this game? I, I like the rule on a fundamental the rule change sorry on a fundamental level I just want to see how it plays out yeah because you, you're, you're absolutely right Bertie when you when you put it in that context where you know there's two guys in a tackle one guy gets thrown to the ground and then you know 10 meters down the road he's got it you know he's trying to fight his way through it and you knock the ball out how's that meant to be like how's that a penalty on you yeah exactly yeah all right. Well, the last two I don't I don't think will be as contentious. Um, the first one being a referee can sorry a referee can sin bin a player for foul play, particularly where a player is forced to leave the field through injury after an illegal act. So I guess we'll be seeing more instances. See, I, where... I, dis- I disagree. This is going to be the most controversial. Okay. Rule. That's wrong. the most controversial rule change out of all of them. Your forty started. <laughs> I, I just. I, is this why he was angry times... to start the night? <laughs> No, no, like I, the the play of the ball is going to be frustrating. If there's no common sense in the strip, that'll be annoying, and you know teams get rolled up because someone's going to score a try or a try be denied because of the new interpretation of the one-on-one strips. But there's going to be calls for blood, for heads taken off when one player gets binned for something that was a high tackle, and another doesn't. It just there's going to be no consistency in this one because you, you can't. It's it's so hard to be consistent for this because. Last year, Kenny Edwards would have been sin-binned for his, you know, quote-unquote, cheap shot on um, the, the Broncos winger, uh, what's his name? The Pearson, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then we, on replay, he, he drops his shoulder in, into his stern, you know, and he would have been binned for that. And then another week, you'll see stuff Game's like, gone soft. Well, no, but like, <laughs> you have the other... The other Sorry, oh my God, I'm stuttering words. Back in 2016, when the Sharks ended up winning the title, Jack Berg got his head taken off by uh, Martin Tapau, and that did they, did they even get a penalty? I don't think he got a penalty. 
So it's just going to be one of those ones where some guy's going to get his head taken off and it's going to be either a penalty or no Simbin um, or no penalty and just play on. And there's going to be another one where, you know, because it's a sh- technically a shoulder charge and it clips the jaw or something, he's going to get put in a bin and it's going to change the context of the game. Uh, it's one of those, I don't know. It's, so I guess we just have to wait to see it play out. Yes, exactly. So if someone gets hit in the head, right, it's automatically going to come off for a, a, a concussion test, and that's ten minutes. No, they do they do the on field yeah. test, and if they're showing signs of concussion, then they have to be taken up the tunnel for a proper HIA, and then they can't come back on the field. Um, is it fifteen minutes? They, it's a, they have to. Yeah, the, the scat free test has a fifteen minute threshold where you've got to do testing for ten minutes or something, and then you've got five minutes to be yeah. cleared. So if a player has to leave the field for a foul play and he has to do the concussion test. It surely it has to even out, and a guy has to set, be sent for ten minutes because if it wasn't for that tackle or that foul play, that player's not going to the concussion test and he's on the field. So this well, that makes think, sense if it's consistent. Yeah. Yes, and this is where I think you you're sort of looking at whether you want to punish the team for incidental foul play because a lot of that stuff isn't malicious, though there are times where it's clearly you know, a cheap shot that should result in some sort of sim bidding, which is what I imagine this rule has been introduced for, versus whether you should have an 18th or 19th man that can be introduced into the game on the basis that someone's been rubbed out for a concussion. And I think you're looking at two different viewpoints here, whether you want to look at focusing on a punitive measure against the team that it infringed, or giving the team that lost the player, you know, sort of a, a variety of options to replace the guy. So it's it's got pros and cons on both sides when you're talking about that sort of stuff. Well, I guess it's like the distinction in the NFL between unnecessary roughness or, um, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. If they're being sent off for something that's unsportsmanlike conduct, I've got no issue with it. But if it's, you know, incidental, it's not a cheap shot and people are getting Cause, sent cause off. Because it, it's a footballing, you know, it's a footballing move where you've got two bodies moving at, you know, 25 kilometres an hour. That's exactly right. There's going to be big collisions where you haven't got complete control of everything. I, I do think that you need a differentiation, like you're saying, Hamish. All right, and moving on to the last one. Come on, this one can't be controversial. No, I love Referees it. I love will one. call time off for 30 seconds immediately following all conversion attempts. I would have gone even further and just said, when the ball's dead, time's off after tries. Uh, exactly. So there's no bullshit. Like, like there's no NFL, bullshit. Because like, what's, like, yeah. what's so frustrating, and I've noticed that last 12 months, is Cameron Smith. He literally takes at least two minutes to kick a goal. Yeah. He, he does the what you call the gardening around the tee. He wipes the ball down like you know he's trying to tuck it in or something. Like it's just it's just so frustrating. And you just see like in the NYC Grand Final, they scored in the 78th minute with 10 seconds left. No, I think it was like one, yeah, one, six, yeah, 70 see, seconds left. They that's a good example, ball. isn't it? That's what's so frustrating because it's going to cost the team a game because oh. someone's. Yeah. I've always hated that. Right back to when Quinton Chavosky played for us, oh. and he took he took about three minutes to kick a goal that wound up winning us from the sideline that ended up winning us the game. It just it made no sense that the clock ran while the ball was dead. And even now, like I said, it, this is a good rule change. I think that this is absolutely an application of common sense in the game. You could take it even further to when the ball was out on the sideline or in a, you know being set for a scrum if you wanted to, which I can't see why um the the oh, easy takeouts. Yeah, sorry, boys. Um, why the TV companies will be against this too because it's potentially more time for ads, which you know is frustrating as a TV viewer if you're a TV viewer. But this is an absolutely a common sense interpretation of you know of a new rule. I love it. it it's fantastic. Yeah, and um, they keep saying, "Oh, we want to bring the smaller guys back. We want to keep bringing the smaller guys back." That's right. This is the per- this the is the minutes. perfect way to do it. You got to, you know, the ball has to be in- if the ball's not in play, 
then stop the game, and then that means more time playing. Reduce well, the interchange, well, and I reckon we're, we're sweet. We're bringing the smaller guys back in the game. We're taking out, you know, 130, 140 kilos, you know, your junior Paulo plus players out of the game because there's going to be more time spent on the field. But then also you have the thing of that. They'll want the bigger guys. So will that bring in more wrestle? You know, but you think, of, you think about how many errors, penalties, tries, shots at goal there are in an average league game where, you know, you're sort of you're budgeting for about, you know, 16 to 18 points per team, uh, you know, sort of maybe five to six errors, four to five penalties. And you figure out, you know, you sort of you start adding up all those seconds where the clock is running but the ball's not in play. And that they're, they're huge breaks for, you know, like you said, Ham, all the big men, you know, sort of sucking the big ones, you know, getting ready to wind up for the next set. If you start making them play those extra, you know, 10 minutes of play that you're cutting out of the game, it definitely opens up the way for the smaller guys and the agile backs, you know, all the, the sort of running halves to shine as the game wears on. So does this also uh, come into effect when you go for uh, penalty shots at goals, like, you know, when the game... Like... Was it specified in a release? Like, give, me, give me a sec, I'll see if I can yeah. find... Um, NRL shot clock changes. It's conversion attempts. We'll uh, call conversion. for time off 30 seconds after all conversion attempts. Yeah, so it's called a penalty conversion, isn't it? Is it? Am I... Is that the technical... Uh, when it they should, score it should just it, be all shots at goal, that's it. It's, that's, that's absolutely that's right. White. Yeah, that, that that would make sense. You want to hope there's a you know a consistency in the implementation like that, because you'd hate to see a game decided because someone gets a shot at goal off a penalty with you know two minutes left, and they do the. Oh, that's a, that's a good that's a good question, Bertie. It doesn't seem to be specified in the actual uh, reading. I'm going to take it to mean. No, no, mean no. It, it does say, hang on, it's there. The new oh, shot does, clock rule does, only apply to conversion attempts and not penalty goals. So oh, that's ridiculous. Incons- inconsistency from day dot. Thank you very much, NRL. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, like I, what was it last year when they brought in um, the breaks with the less uh, interchanges? So I said to uh, my brother, I reckon there'll be more shots at goals um, in games because that's an extra break. You know, they're not going to have uh, much mm. break, so that's what this could be like. You know, manipulated. This, this, this is such a good small rule change, and they still can't get it right. I just that yeah. is the NRL in a nutshell. Ah oh, man, that's frustrating. All right, well, let's um, move on to the next bit of news. There's two last bits to get to. The first one is the AGM, uh, which took place uh, last night, I think, uh, February 19th. No, sorry, Monday night. Um, So uh, one of our uh, members of the Discord, Goal, um, attended. He said he was the the youngest there by 30 years, so it was all the old heads. Um, Anyway, I'll just run down his uh, write-up on the AGM, which was Bernie uh, Gurr has let it know that the budgetary losses for the footy team in 2018 is expected to be five and a half to $6 million, uh, noting that there was no corporate interest in the club for his first eight months on the job um, due to the severe reputational damage caused by the old board. Um, so as we stated uh, plenty of times, it's a long road to recovery after what the club was uh, put through in 2016 20, uh, and, and, and prior. Um, then on to Max Donnelly, uh, Mad Max, state that there's only a thousand common members between the league's club, uh, the league's club, and the Parramatta Eels club. Uh, that being that uh, members of the Parramatta Eels club and members of the Parramatta League's club, there's only a thousand that are members of both. Which is um, that's pretty extraordinary given 
um, the history of the Leagues Club and the, and the Footy Club together. Um, then on to Bernie talked about the transformation of the junior reps and pathways, something we've been touching on. Um, now they're working to keep on keeping kids who aren't at rep standard interested in playing the game long term. So that's in regard to all the other Parramatta clubs that aren't playing those junior rep games. Uh, they're putting funds and um, pathways into that sort of uh, deal. Um, sorry, I just saw uh, Ham's tweet to Cam King. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Palmer, by the way. Who the hell calls Palmer. it a Palmy? All right, that's another podcast. Let's not get, <laughs> no, let's not get bogged down. Don't let's not get bogged down. <laughs> it's a Palmer. It's it's the only answer. Well, maybe you guys could ask. I'll I'll ask Cam if he wants to come on the podcast. There we go. Um, all right. Um, I'll finish up with uh, Bernie's um, said the A Land deal. So the deal with A Land as our major sponsor is very healthy um, for what the club could get given our reputational damage over the last several years. Um, and the club uh, chief financial officer has been checking weekly with the salary cap order to make sure we have no compliance issues in regards to third party agreements or in relation to any other salary cap issues. How, how would anyone have any compliance issues these days when there's only $708,000 of TPAs and the biggest spending club in the NRL? So I, <laughs> exactly. Does, TPAs have just dried up all yeah, of a sudden. Does, does that mean if we cheat the cap, is it the NRL's fault for not finding it, even though we're reporting to them? or like? No, it's always the person's fault. Um, you could probably argue but, that there are times where there'd be like a technical cap breach, which is what you yeah. see the teams get those small fines every year like you know when we're talking like you know ten thousand dollars when like a, a clause activates that wasn't accounted for um so the, the nrl doesn't take blame in that case but you have like a, uh there's greater discretion to right, get yourself exactly. back under the cap because you self-report um our instance where we cheated the cap for so many years was that the board was um you know thumb their nose at the nrl and that's they why the penalty was right, as harsh yeah. as it was yeah they, no we the the nrl absolutely had to punish the um the reign of boards culminating with Steve Sharp and his board for what they did because that was willful and, you know, downright stupid. So I, I don't have any issues about you. All right. And the last one is um, apparently the Supreme Court action against Dildam um, in relation to their uh, former sponsorship uh, is going to take place shortly. So uh, hopefully the Eels can get a win there um, or there's some sort of agreement reached where um, Dildam honour at least passed part of the sponsorship money is owing. Um, on to the Leagues Club. They're building a bowling alley. Um, Firehouse will be rebranded and opened shortly. Um, there's also going to be an on-site brewery. Um, Bevan Paul has asked to be emailed any suggestions you may have for the name of the first batch of beer brewed at the club. Um, so if you want to get into Twitter and ask uh, what and, and put forward whatever um, your names for whatever beer you want there. Do you want to do a podcast poll? See what um, all the listeners say. Might have to do that. My vote's for uh, either 1947 or if we're going after a player, the King's Batch. Or the Royal Blue and Gold. The King's Batch. Yeah, Royal Blue and Gold. Um, the, the Blue and Gold Ale. Uh, I don't know. Um, all right. Well, last bit of news. The King has completed his first full contact session as of today, um, playing at fullback. So that gives us an indication of where he's going to be playing when he gets back into the first grade squad. Uh, not full contact, limited contact, just to clarify that. He said the orange fluoro vest. Well, and a pose session got, today. Come on, full full pose session, got, not just sitting got, in the, the... the genuine field work with the team, which is a huge milestone, which is awesome. 
So, I mean, every sort of metric that the, I think the club's given him is saying, you know, we're trying to hold you back, you know, for your own good, and he just keeps smashing for every goalpost, which no one, no one having seen him play and seen him train is surprised. The guy is just an animal, and his application and approach to training is just on another level. So I'm not shocked at all. All right, sorry, I'm just tw- I'm just tweeting to Cam King as we're on the podcast. I did I didn't mute my mic. I'm I'm, I'm on. Um, all right, we're going to preview next round. Um, so first of all, uh, before we get to to the um, the team list, I just want to do a quick preview of the um, the junior reps. Uh, we have all three grades of junior reps in action on uh, Saturday morning. Unfortunately, I think most of uh, the Eels fans are going to be up at Newk, uh, Maitland for the, the Eels trial for the the, um, the later grades. Technically, you could um, probably watch the mats and get to Newcastle if you were really, you know... If you are really you know, into it. <laughs> really... I mean, really into it and want to Well, I've got fall. Jersey Flag starting off at about 3 o'clock and yeah. SG Ball starts at one thirty at Penn, at St. That's Mary's. That's what I'm saying. So the, the match could probably good work luck. if you wanted to put the pedal to the metal down the freeway. Pedal to the metal. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd have to get up to Newcastle in about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, all right, Tasha Gales are in action against Penrith at St. Mary's at 10.30. That's when the action kicks off. Now, the Tasha Gales were thrashed in their first round appearance and then... Uh, they had the bye last week. Um, so can we expect them to go any better against the Panthers this week? Um, I think the Panthers, you know, the girls around there are always going to have a strong score. I'm just having a look where they're current. Are they? They won one game and lost one. So, yeah, I'm not too sure on the on the girls, unfortunately. But um, I think Panthers would just be too strong for them, unfortunately. What time did you say ball kicked off, Hamish? Uh, SG Ball, I've got it listed as one thirty. So the Tasha Gales at ten thirty, Harold Matts at twelve, and SG at one thirty. The um, New South Wales Rugby League match centre's got uh, Matts kicking off at nine forty, and Ball at eleven o'clock, which makes it a lot more feasible. And all, of a sudden, all right, well they've changed it on me since uh, I, I, I put this, that, well, I copy someone, pasted that. Someone's over. wrong, so I don't know if it's you or if it's the match centre. And by you, I mean their original press release. So it, we'll have to clarify that situation because that makes it a lot more doable. Yeah. Sort of Give me one sec, I'll just have a look. And do you I just mean got the, the, um, uh, Maitland, the SG ball at Maitland or the SG ball from Penrith? Because the, yeah. the no, no, SG no, 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 ball... No, 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 I've, I've, no, no, I've, I've got the um, the same. Oh, actually, no, you're right, I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> <I'll> let... <laughs> so, sorry, can you go through those times again? So, uh, I haven't got Tash Gale up, but the mats is scheduled to kick off at 9.40. And the uh, SG ball was at 11 o'clock. So I imagine a Tasha Gale must be like an 8 o'clock kickoff. 8.30, yeah. 8.30, there you go, yeah. Okay, so the, uh, if, if if you're able to get there at 8.30, um, if you're going to leave the SG ball, uh, what time are they? 35-minute halves. So you'd be pressing to get at about 12.15 or so. I guess you could make it up to um, Jersey Fleet by three. You'd have to be pretty keen, though. I mean, I know a couple of keen bikes. <laughs> that'll be 60s won't it <laughs> yeah uh, I'll see if I can uh, 60s might be going up early actually so it might be me by myself if I end up doing this so we'll see we'll see I'd like to have a, a gander at the teams alright not a problem um, so just a reminder that at the uh, uh, the Maitland uh, trial's now sold out um, apparently it's a six and a half thousand capacity 
uh, stadium, if you can call it a stadium, if you've ever been there, it's um, it's it's sort of like a um, small park football field. Although it does have a grandstand, which is probably said about two hundred people in it, so it's not it's the, a big the grandstand's field. very new. It's the it's the big thing up in Maitland at the moment. All right, and um, if you want to catch a breakdown of the team list, Forty's uh, written a piece on uh, the Cumberland Throw, Evolution versus Revolution. <laughs> Um, but anyway, let's get on to the team list for the grade. So to start off that day, if you want to get there early, to check out the Knights, uh, the Dogs and the Bears in the um, the earlier grades. Uh, Knights and Dogs in the Tasha Gales are at 10.30. Knights v Bears in the Harold Mats at 12. Knights and Bears in the SG Ball at 1.30. Um, so then we'll have all three grades for the Eels in action. Uh, from about 3 o'clock, I think Jersey Flag uh, kicks off. Yeah, at 3 o'clock. Um, so through the team list there, um, who's your standouts? Of course, Dylan Brown in the number 7 jersey. Big things are expected of him. Um, is there anybody that's there that sh- that's a bit of a surprise? Um, I'm going to say Ethan Parry. Oh, not, not a surprise in the team, but I think he'll surprise a few people. Ethan Parry. Um, he'll, you'll be surprised by him because of his physical presence. Just tall kid on the wing, extremely um, quick. But yeah, other than surprise selections, like the starting thirteen, honestly, you could make a case that Tafa Afu's a surprise. But it's only in the sense that we haven't got a fullback playing this week. Um, Johnny Fiddle must have been nicked up somewhere between the uh, North Sydney trial and now, because Hayes Dunster, who's a special swinger, has been named at fullback. But on the bench, we do have JP Nora, who is he named for ball? Yeah. Which yeah, he, so, so you won't be playing both. There's no way. So he either he either pulls out a ball or is just being named because you know they're still weighing up whether they want to play him. But Nora and William Key are the uh, two SG Boyles players that have been picked uh, on the extended bench. But as far as the starting thirteen, there is no surprises. Uh, sorry, it's pretty much the returning you know grand finals team plus Ethan Parry, Tafa Afu. Uh, I mean, Jaden Fields starting at hooker because we'll get to it in a minute. Reed Marnie's being picked in the ISP team, and but aside from that, it, it's the team that you know narrowly lost the grand final by the the smallest of margins, plus some SG Ball uh, graduates. So no, no surprises. All right, and I can see Blaze Barnes is named in that extended bench. That's a, a blast from last year. The the young uh, rugby player. Uh, who, of course, suffered, I think, it was it an ACL? or yep, was, ACL. Yeah, he, he, did, he shredded his ACL, ACL. pretty bad, yeah. Do you reckon he's any a chance of making the um, the Jersey flag team sometime next year? Uh, he, this year, sorry. He's got a bit of work to do. Uh, he had a, a rather ignomious debut against the Bears. He uh, had a drop ball from dummy half, a loose pass that resulted in a, a, you know an unfair drop on his forward. Uh, he defended quite well, though. I was, I was very impressed with that. And he had one nice, you know, sort of, run that hinted at from dummy half that hinted at what he can do but he sort of got lost in the flow of the game didn't quite you know track the ball the way a hook is meant to almost like two tackles ahead of the play you're always scheming to where you know the ball's got to be but he's got a lot of talent with the ball in hand uh it's a matter of just getting game time under his belt what i think he was just excited to um get back on the field after two years off oh, so. absolutely that, that is a completely valid point mate is that it, it is very easy to forget that he has not played a minute of football for two years so you know there's also pj vigal is in a very similar situation who um was one of our most dominant forwards in the reps program 
and he just had a really shitty run of luck with his legs, and now he's back looking to play his first game in pretty much two years as well. So, uh, what a difference on, uh, 12 on. months makes, you know, like 12 months ago, he was tweeted, like when he signed, there's a lot of hype about him, and no one mentioned, um, um, and it was not much... It, it's, it's the classic YouTube highlight reel response. Yeah. You know, he's got a, a really, really fun-looking set of um, tries and runs in Union uh, cut up on YouTube by either himself or one, you know, his mates or his manager. And, you know, it's obvious that he's got talent, but it's a case of it was a big fish in a little pool when you're playing schoolboy Union, even, you know, in GPS these days. It's just not the standard it once was. And you come to the reps program where there's, you know, eight, teams that are fielding there's more teams but there's eight teams fielding you know just loaded rosters where everyone's you know six three six four and 100 kilos at 17 years old and you know moving into the 20s and all of a sudden you know it's harder to stand out and the game goes faster so you know every generation you step up from mats to ball to flag or you know when it was the myc to reserve grade or the isp to nrl there's a noticeable step up in speed in aggression you know, in just the physical demands. And it's one of those ones where he's going to have to get used to it. All right, let's move on to the uh, ISP team. Uh, went he's named. Um, so uh, Lebanon uh, uh, favourite, some. Anthony Layoun at fullback. Uh, the big missing out in that back line is uh, Greg Lalesiwau. Um Whereabouts is he at? Does anybody have any idea? I think he's still, yeah, still coming he's... back from... Um, he did uh, just a little knee... Just during the uh, just before Christmas, I think it was. He's got the fluoro orange on as well. Yeah. So I I, I think you'll be right. Maybe I'm not, I'm not personally shooting, sure. He's shooting for shooting for round one or two is what I think I heard. Yeah. But uh, that that is not me at 100 uh, percent confident saying that. But as far as I know, he's been training really strongly in the post Christmas session. So he's yeah you know, sort of made up for the ground he lost pre Christmas. And he's, he's in good shape now, so he'll be a big addition to this back line once he's fit. All right, and the other big takeaways are Kayser playing at hooker. Um, so, of course, Cam King is making the starting squad in the first grade team. Um, and uh, Birdie's favourite son, Murata Neokore, uh, it's starting in the second row. Rigged, rigged, man. Akuna Murata. He should be up at mate. Like, he should be playing, you know, like... I think he'll. I think he'll get a, a run in first grade. We oh, traditionally hey. name. We traditionally name about 21, 22 players, and then we'll bring the the guys that we're interested in from Wenty up. The last twenty minutes. That's or so. exactly right. He might even get more time, but it's kind of hard to say because of the Takarangi situation. So the whole back row dynamics kind of thrown out a little bit at the moment. The, right, uh, let's get so, on sorry, to just, that. Oh, sorry, sorry, just for reserve grade. Um, the thing that interests me is Reed Marnie off the bench. You know, you've got Kaiser Pritchard there who will probably play, um, what, 30, 40 minutes. I'm not sure if playing Reed Marnie only for 40 minutes in a trial match is the right way to go. I would have maybe started him off in the 20s and then seen how he goes, whether he plays flag or even goes up to the first grade. Um, I just think that's a bit of a, it's a bit of an odd decision to Unless... play him off the bench. Unless there's another one scheduled to get a run in first grade yeah. in the, the garbage minutes, maybe. I don't know. Because, I mean, you were there. We watched him do really well against the Bears playing, you know, 50 minutes at hooker. So it's not a matter of ability in this grade for Reed. So, yeah, it, I suppose the problem is you have to give Pritchard game time. Yeah. You know, he uh, he yeah, needs yeah. game time. And Reed also demands game time the way he's been playing and training. And 
I, this probably comes down to an interesting situation where once you pull uh, Moses and Norman from the first grade trial, who's going to play in the halves? And I suppose Pritchard, it's not a pretty solution, but either Pritchard or uh, Marnie could fill in there. What about that um, guy from uh, Cronulla, Salmon? Is he um, is he back for injury? Or? He's, he's also another one that's just put on the orange jersey and he's coming back. Uh, the timeline on him is a little bit vague still. Uh, it, it'll depend on how he responds because he's got a neck injury that he's coming back from, I believe. But he's a very exciting one to watch because he's, like Reid, uh, um, him and Reid have both absolutely slammed the preseason training. They've just killed it. And uh, Salmon is a very talented young player that can fill in a number of positions and just where his best position is is going to be really fun to find out this year. But he is due... I, there is no, like, official or unofficial timeline for Salmon at the moment. So he, he gets back when he gets back, and I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back via the 20s because he is only turning 19 this year. But he's one of those guys that will come back and then probably, you know, force his way into the ISP team at some point because he's that good. Yeah, well, the halves situation in the ISP yeah, team, um, it's, obviously, it's not great. No, so um, it's, you'd hope that he's getting a, a spot in that team. It's easily the most... When you look at that team, and it, it's not super pretty right now because there's about four or five guys named for the NRL team that won't be playing NRL come round one that will come back in here. We're talking, you know, the, the props, the back, like the surplus back rollers and... Then there's guys like Vave and T-Rex to come back from the injury list. So there's, you know, we're talking seven first-grade quality guys to inject into the forward pack, plus uh, Greg to come back into the back line. But once you once you put those in the forward pack, and the back line looks pretty healthy, but the halves do look pretty dire. I mean, you got guys like Dylan is is a goer, and that's very much the same for Sam Gorman who could fill in there off the bench. But there's no recognised or dominant playmaker, and you're going to need something like that if you're going to make a serious charge to the finals for Winty. And that's where I think, or I hope, knock on wood, that Jamie and Salmon can do a job for us. All right. Well, I think um, Cameron King uh, has put us in the friend zone. He liked uh, my tweet, but he didn't respond. So uh, <laughs> that hurts. Um, the all right. Um, on to the first grade squad. So uh, I'll, I'll run through the whole list. Um, Bevan French at fullback. Uh, Abba R and Hoffman on the wings. Michael Jennings and Jared Hayne take the centre positions. Uh, in the halves, Corey Norman, Mitch Moses. Uh, starting props, Alvaro, Tim Manor, and then Cam King in the hooker role. Uh, then your second rowers, uh, Manu Mayu, Brad Takarangi, with Nathan Brown to lock it all out. Um, then on the interchange bench, you've got Bo Scott in the 14, Kenny Edwards, 15, Kane Evans, 16, and Sui Matangi um, to round out that um, 17. Um, then on the extended bench is Tep, Maroa, Penny Terrapo, Will Smith, Kaiser Pritchard. So let's get into the first big bit of news. David Gower. Brad t- Takarangi. <laughs> oh, sorry. And David Gower. Sorry. Yeah. Put some sorry. respect on uh, Gower's name. <laughs> oh, you know. Um, yeah, let's hope we fucking get the cash. Um, all right. Number 12, <laughs> Brad Takarangi. Yeah, it's, it's the biggest piece of news to come out of this, isn't it? Because the rest of the team is pretty much as you'd expect. The proper, Except for Tep, I guess. Um, the, the, Tep the, the on the tep, extended bench. But. The Tep, quote-unquote, situation is nothing. I think he's just nursing a niggle, and they're going to like, just ease him through the game. So uh, he's, he's you know right there as part of the core playing group, so I don't think there's anything uh, uh, untowards about his selection in the 18 jersey. I wouldn't read anything to it. But the Takarangi pick is the most interesting one. And we were debating this earlier today as to whether... 
it points towards Brad Arthur showing his hand for a long-term, you know, starting spot, or whether because he's making his transition back to the back row, where you know he played sometime as a young kid, we're talking years ago, and they just want to give him as much game time to facilitate that transition as you know, as rapidly as possible. It'll be interesting to see, and it's probably the single most important question out of this game, in any injuries aside. I mean, I don't think there's um, too much to say about the first grade team. It's just sort of, I don't think anyone was expecting any different. It just all depends um, how many minutes everyone gets and yeah, all that sort of stuff. Who, That's really the only thing who, I think um, should be a really good trial. To the garbage minutes. But we're, expect, we're expecting Avara on the left, I think, aren't we? And Hoffman on the right. So yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose you could you could try and stir up controversy about Kane Evans getting picked on the bench if you want, but we all know he's coming back from a, a pretty nasty wrist injury. Yeah, the wrist injury couldn't, yeah. Well, PM picked that last week um, to say that he'd start back from the bench. Oh, um, I'm, so. not, I'm not surprised in the least, so... And you could make a case that, you know, having a little bit of impact off the bench is good for us, but, you know, if, if he's good enough, he'll get his starting spot. Um, and... I'm just trying to look at that team. I mean, Will Smith could probably um, have a good chance to show his wares. He's another one that's killed it in the preseason. And given that, you know, in these sort of trials, you look to rotate out your core playmakers a little bit after half time, you'll have a chance to sort of take over the game against the second stringers. Uh, and and so it should. Sorry. No, no I, was, I was just going to say the, the only other thing that I will find really interesting is who plays that isn't listed. Because as I said earlier, traditionally, you know, we call up another six or seven players. And this is usually our Penrith trial. Um, in the last couple of years, is where we've we've had our final trial, and you get you know three or four. It's always bloody raining. Yeah, always a huge storm. It's absolutely true. But we'd have you know three or four of our sort of core NYC players would come up and get a run, and then you know obviously the some of the fringe Wenty guys that are looking to impress in a in you know a stronger intense game situation, you know, and in this case, I was going to say you got Murata. Uh, and you've got Reid Marnie could be in the mix, and I don't know about the 20s. Is this the only trial that we have? So that's that, right. So you don't think that's a bit... Um, you reckon that will be a bit underdone going into the season? It, it's a possibility, trial? but uh, this is just pure speculation, but I don't know if this is a, a payoff between you come into round one a little bit underdone, or you risk serious injuries in another trial. They might. We've got a new head of um, high performance in... Uh, Wilmot. Lachlan Wilmot. So I, I don't know if this is a directive from him where he said, look, at the Giants, we, we had long pre-seasons and it led to injuries or at the Giants, because you know, they do the NAB Cup in the preseason and whatnot. Yeah. Or if he said, you know, if, if there's, he's, he's got sports science data that says, you know, you're going to do this and you sort of, you wear the, the rust because it means that you're better prepared for injuries. So it could just be a scheduling issue for us because of um. Uh, we haven't got our own home stadium for trials. I don't think ANZ's ever hosted a trial. And other clubs have already booked out their trials. That could be the, as simple as that. Or it could be that there is actual science behind this. I don't know. Yeah, because in the past we would have also, the Lions, And then we'll have a Darwin game. And then we'll have the, the Penrith the Dar- game. The Darwin game we're was, having an Alice Springs. Oh, the uh, Alice Springs a trial yeah. was essentially uh, a Wenty trial, though. Oh, Wenty okay. plus, you know. So it wasn't the, the first string as they were at the Nines the same week. Yeah. Well, I, I did actually miss out on the, um, well, I guess last year they didn't do it, but the radio commentary from that, the local uh, Indigenous radio, that was, that was some of the best radio commentary I've ever heard. Karma Radio, I think it's called, or? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. They were fantastic. Headgear guy, um, you remember that? 
biggest sticks in town. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for those playing the home game this weekend who didn't get a, uh, a ticket, um, unfortunately, they're all sold out. But uh, I'm told that Newcastle will be live streaming first grade. Um, I don't think they'll have a stream for ISP or Jersey Flag. Um, but for first grade, they should have a stream. Um, and so 7 o'clock uh, is the uh, kickoff time. Um, so hopefully they're all running on time. And if you can check out, I think NRL will have a link to the stream, but also Newcastle's uh, NRL page. And also I'm sure you can check it out on the Eels NRL page. Usually it's posted on all of them and we'll throw up a, a link to it as well. Um, I assume the Cumberland throw are going to be uh, live tweeting all, all game or, or doing a live tw- uh, live blog on their, their page. I'll be I'll, not the NRL game. I'll just be sitting there watching that, but I'll live blog the the flag and the uh, ISP for those that want to follow by with my updates. All right, and um, I'll be in action. I'll, I'll have the phone out ready to tweet um, some of that stuff as well. Oh, on It's uh, a competition, is Saturday. it? Well, it's going to depend on how many beers I have. Um, you know, I might go on a rant about Melbourne. <laughs> oh, please do. All right, boys. Um, I don't think there's too much else. I think we've wrapped it up um, in sorry a little oh, bit crap. over an hour. Do we actually get through all the content this week? We got all through all the content. Um, oh, now we can get on to plugs. So, first of all, I'll start with you, Bertie. Yeah, just uh, Twitter, Bevan Everett one So, um, uh, do any of you see that... Um, what is it? The commercial for the kickoff season, you know. Uh, I watched it and I thought, you know, I thought I was more excited about the season. But now, you know, I can't wait for round one, you know. Why are we going to play on a Sunday? Come on. Let's kick off Thursday night. <laughs> it, it is frustrating to have to wait the entire round to watch our boys play. But at least it's a derby game. So oh. there's, there's a whole lot of derby games in the opening couple of months for the Eels. So get used to it, boys. Hey, Ham, you're going to the Penrith game, eh? Yep. <laughs> 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 His favorite part of the uh, favorite city in the, in the oh, world. Just, the the way you framed that entire thing just it, it made me like laugh. Oh, I was expecting so. like a response saying no, I would never step foot in the rift. But you know. <laughs> the only time I go to um, Penrith hey, is to go do, into that. Yeah, it's, right. it's the only time. It's I not go. that bad. <laughs> says, says the Penrith boy. <laughs> I'm not a Penrith boy. I just live here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, don't tell me with that brush. All right. Um, so, Bertie, where can where can we catch you? Who me? No, no, Bertie. Oh. Did you? Did oh, you God, no, Bertie, <laughs> Bertie didn't plug his stuff. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, heaven, heaven won. So, um, yeah. The great palmy Palmer debate rages on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Continues. And Cameron King, if you ever listen to this, you're freaking wrong. It is a palmy. <laughs> Who calls it a palmy? That is disgusting. Get out. Just get out. Um, all right, on to you, Forty. Uh, as always, you can catch us at thecumberlandfro.com where we've got all our live blogs, which are ramping up week by week. Uh, on Twitter, we're at EelsTCT. Mitch handles most of our stuff there, and he's always got a good, funny opinion on most things, be it Parramatta or NRL-wide. Uh, this week, we've got plenty of stuff with 60s dialing up the uh, training blogs. He's got the Return of the King. He can actually use the Return of the King, which would have been a cool Lord of the Rings thing. He went for royalty returns. I can't knock it. Uh, this week... He's got uh, Will Smith starring in the Monday session, or Wednesday session. What the hell am I doing? In the Wednesday session. So, as I mentioned before, he's been a preseason standout, and there's a big write-up on him today. I did my first teamless blog proper of the season, which was awesome. And as you mentioned earlier, it's evolution versus revolution, with the Eels looking to evolve 
on their fourth place finish and straight sets exit out of the um, the final series. Whereas the Knights have introduced revolution after two years of Nathan Brown's uh, leadership there. They've got nine, nine new players in their top 17 they've named against us. And that's not including Sean Kenny Dow, who transferred late last year. So when you talk about overhauls, that's probably one for the record books. There is a lot of new faces in that team. And the biggest question for them will be whether they can gel as the season comes on because talent's no longer an issue for Newcastle. Uh, you can also catch Forty at his next podcast, Fire Up Forty, where he just goes on yeah. for a three-hour rant about how wrong the NRL, NRL Controversy are. Controversy corner. Got nothing <laughs> on Fire Up Forty. <laughs> All right, and I think me and Hamish can get on the beers and and uh, fire up about uh, Melbourne. Yep, I will um, definitely yes. be doing that. It's my uh, it's my birthday when this podcast comes out on the twenty-second, so hey. I'll be having yeah. more beers on Friday Happy night too for my birthday. So. It'll be good Beautiful. times. I'll, I'll rant about Melbourne with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, Hamish, where can we catch you? Um, at hamsemich 22 is the Twitter handle. And the band plug for this week is another Sydney band, Johnny Hunter. Saw them down at the Lansdowne. Um, very cool um, sort of English Britpop sort of styled band. Very nice. Cool, very good band. Johnny Hunter. All right, and the other two members of the podcast uh, who unfortunately couldn't be with us at the moment, PMing's on holidays, well-earned holiday. Um, But you can catch him on Twitter at Paramatters. Um, And you can also, if you're interested in getting some Eels gear, uh, catch him on Sports First Nambucca. Not just Eels gear. If you're some other random fan that's listening to us, Sports First Nambucca's got plenty of shit for you. Yeah, and... Um, I think if you use the code soon. Parapodcast, one word, you also get yeah, a discount. That's it. 10% discount on all... 10% discount and free postage on all orders over $100. Um, so he's on holidays for the next week, so I've got no idea that the store might be burnt down by the time he gets back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put that even on um, Hamish. All right, and the last, uh, Ricky, who um, we've all congratulated on the yes. birth of his first child. Um, he's uh, doing dad duty, so... Um, but you can catch him at NRL News on Twitter and nrlnews.com.au on the web is his website. Um, feel free to check it all out. Um, and lastly, I'll plug our own Twitter at Parapodcast. Um, you can also catch us on Facebook, um, which is facebook.com and then forward slash Parapodcast. And also, we are on iTunes. Um, you can yes. just search Para Podcast, and we shout have been out. forever. I've got no idea how. That's a that's a solid shout that. out to Cornstar and Unlimited uh, who, who, um, who so, put us onto that issue on iTunes. But there was no issue. Um, yeah, there was Hamish, no issue. Yeah, you, you Hamished it up. Just admit it, mate. You, you Hamished okay. it up. Okay. Um, anyway, um, if you search Para Podcast, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, and also if you just search whatever app you use on Android, I I prefer um, Podcast Addict, but you know. There's about a 1,000 of them, um, and you can just get it down there um, with the RSS feed. We'll um, just automatically upload each episode. Um, So thanks again for for joining us. We've got a huge weekend. Hopefully we can catch you down at Maitland, or you can see us uh, reveling on the hills, uh, probably intoxicated, uh, after we uh, flog Newcastle in all three (laughs) grades. Um, So just I I, I don't care about the result, guys. I just don't want injuries. That is all I'm worried about for this trial. This team's proven that it knows how to play football and win games. All we need out of this trial is not to get it hurt. Um, but didn't you know that 
trial results uh, transfer into season success. 40. Yeah, I, I mean, we discussed it before. Parramatta 2013, undefeated in the preseason, won the wooden spoon. Detroit Lions, Cleveland Browns, 4-0 in their preseasons and their most recent 0-16 campaigns in the NFL. Preseason means shit when it comes to actually producing results. You get your combinations yeah. right and you get your injuries right and you're sweet. Especially when you're a team that's a proven commodity. Yeah, but we're going to win by 60 plus, so... Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, I hope to see you down there. Um, enjoy the footy this weekend, and then we'll only be two weeks away from oh, our first so match. Um, so, so I can taste it now, um, and I can taste that premiership. It's coming, baby, mm. this year, all the way. Thirteen dollars. You can still get us in double digits, boys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Well, thanks again for tonight, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, boys. Um, so thanks from Forty, Ayo, Hamish, later, and Birdie. Yeah, see ya. Everyone. Cheers. Bye.